So glad to be together, um, to be able to share and talk about the Spirit-filled church. I love that we get to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I love that we don't only get to just talk about Him, we actually get to be with Him as we talk about Him. That He's here in this place. And um, I don't know, for those of you who are newer to Hope, you may have never heard this, but our, our heart here, our mission, our vision at Hope is that we would actually be a relational, missional, spirit-filled church, spirit-filled family that provides a living demonstration of the kingdom of God. What does that mean? It means that whether we're here in Springfield or you're across the street at your neighbor's house or you're at work or you're across town for some reason, that you would be doing what Jesus would do if he were you. How does that sound? Whether you're across the street or you're across town or you're across the world, that we are here to actually be the expression of Jesus on the earth. And us doing what he would do, um, living the Jesus life, is actually dependent upon us being a spirit-filled people, being a spirit-filled church. And so, um, here's what I like to say to you as I jump into this talk tonight. I'm going to share a little bit. Are you okay if I do a little teaching and then I'm going to share a few experiences that I've had? Is that okay? I, 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 uh, I appreciate your amens tonight. You're with me. You're alive. Um, Holy Spirit is the very real and accessible presence of Jesus in his church. He is. He is the very real and accessible presence to his people. If you want to know more about Jesus, spend time with the Holy Spirit. If you want to know more truth, spend time with the Holy Spirit because Jesus said that he's going to lead you into all truth. It's incredible. He is the spirit of truth. And if you have your Bibles, you can open up to John 14. Um, I want to just read a couple of verses here as Jesus talks to his disciples about the promise of the spirit. And this is what he says to them as they're in that, that place just before he goes to the cross. He says this, he says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper. Everybody say another helper, another helper to be with you forever, forever. And even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He goes on, he says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. How many are thankful you will see him? Because I live, you also will live. And in that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. So this is his last night with his disciples that he's saying all of this. And Jesus is emphasizing here the Holy Spirit. They're filled with sorrow. These guys are afraid. They, they know something's about to happen. They're, they're trying to take it all in. And Jesus is telling the disciples here that they're going to be going, uh, that Jesus is, is telling the disciples that, that they're going to be going from a place of being with him in the flesh to them being with Jesus by the Spirit. 
So I want us to just look at this, what we just read here, just for a minute. He says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I'm going to come to you. How? Through the Holy Spirit. In a little while, the world will see me no more, but you're going to see me. The world isn't going to be able to see me, but you're going to see me. How? Through the Holy Spirit. In that day, he says, in that day, what day? The day that the helper comes. You will know that I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. How? By the Spirit. How many say the Holy Spirit is pretty central and important to the church? Jesus said, I'm going to ask the Father. He's going to give you another helper to be with you forever. So this word here, another, means one who is just like me. One who is just like me. Another helper who is just like me, actually of the same kind. The word helper here in the Greek is this parakletus. It's a compound word for two Greek words. The first para, very close, and kaleo, to beckon or to call. So this is what this means. It means one called to stand very close to you, next to you, as a helper, as a comforter, as an enabler. We think about an enabler as not a good thing. Holy Spirit is a good enabler. He enables you to do what you could not do. And what Jesus is saying is that the Holy Spirit is permanently called closely alongside of you. (laughs) Guys, this is great news. This is great news. I feel like tonight should be a night of rejoicing. We have the Holy Spirit in our midst. He is moving in power in, in our midst. And he is here as the helper alongside of you to provide coaching, to provide direction, to provide instruction, to to provide counsel. He's with us continually to journey with us, and he never gets tired. He never gets tired. When you are tired, he is not tired. He never leaves. That's the promise of Jesus. I'm just reminding us on some foundational things that we need to remember that he is with us forever. That's what Jesus promised. So guess what? The presence is the promise. The presence is the promise. He sent the helper. Why? Because we need help. You need help. Turn to somebody next to you say, you need help. Turn to the other person. Look them in the eye. Say, you need help. You need help. You need help. Guys, I mean, it's okay to say I need help. I think it's actually one of the most powerful prayers you can pray. I need help. Help. Help is on the way. I mean, that's a Whitney Houston song. Just kidding. Help. I need help. I need help from the presence of the Lord. Guys, I want to tell you tonight, the Holy Spirit is so wonderful. And I, wanna, I don't want to talk about him like he's not in the room. I want to I talk about him like he's right here. He actually wants to engage inside of you as we read the word. He actually wants this to come alive to you, not just another word. He actually wants your ears to hear this and actually internalize it and apply it to your life. So what the Spirit of God will do. The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. 
Romans 8, 26 says this, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. In other words, the, the Spirit of God prays the will of God. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. What is the weakness? The weakness is we actually oftentimes don't even know what to pray. We don't even know what to pray. Simply put, our weakness is that we have limited understanding of what's going on in our lives. We have limited understanding of what's going on in our world. But when we lean into the Spirit and we rely on Him and we recognize our need for Him, the Spirit prays for us and He prays the will of God for us. I'll tell you right now tonight, if you're in a weak place, you turn to him and he is going to strengthen you while you're weak. He prays for you. He helps you in your weakness. I just say, can we agree on this together? We need help. We need him. We need him. And not in an orphan kind of a way. You know, there's that cry of desperation, like I don't think God is with me. And then there's the cry of faith saying, God, I need you. The cry as a son, the cry as a daughter, that cries out by the Spirit in us saying, Abba, Father, we need you. In a full expectation, in a full reliance by the Spirit that we will have what we need, but we need him. It's not about us trying harder. He said, apart from me, you actually can do nothing. So he established that very clearly. If you want to grow, I want to encourage you, never grow out of your deep, profound awareness of your need for the Holy Spirit. I am very much aware of this for my life. In the very last verse of Paul's letter to the church, at Corinth, he wrote 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. He wrote both of these to the church there. He ends both of those letters with this verse, and I want to read it to you. Verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 13. It says this, The, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. He ends the letter to this church and he says, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. It's a call to fellowship. Did you know that we are called to fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Your worthiness to fellowship with the Holy Spirit is not because of what you have done. Righteousness is yours through the grace of Jesus by faith in what he has already accomplished. The Holy Spirit dwells in you not because you've been good. The Holy Spirit dwells in you because God is good and sent him to you and because of your faith in Jesus Christ. So regardless of how you feel on any given day, the Spirit's been given to you and he's not leaving. He's not leaving. And he wants to fellowship with you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to lead you. He wants to help you. He wants to pour out his power on you, on the church. And he wants to rest on his church in an increasing way. See, sometimes we haven't fully realized this relationship that he wants, this fellowship that he wants, because we actually don't believe he wants to be close. I want to tell you today, he wants to be close. 
This word fellowship is a Greek word. Many of you know it. You've heard it. It's called koinonia. And what this koinonia means is it means communion. It means companionship. It means intimacy. It means sharing together. It means a partnership. A partnership. These words all describe what fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. That's the invitation. Do you hear that? The invitation is to companionship. Holy Spirit, companionship. The, the invitation is to intimacy. The, 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 the invitation is to sharing together, a partnering together. These words could describe what my relationship with my wife is. Christy's my companion, right? Yes. Christy's my best friend. We share everything together. We partner in everything. We, we talk about everything. She knows what my looks mean. I definitely know what hers mean. You know? I know what Christy likes. I know what she doesn't like. My snoring at night. Sometimes. I know what she's thinking without her saying a word. I'm aware of her in every setting because I love her. Because she's my priority. She's back with the students tonight. And I'm very much aware that she's not in the room right now. I miss her when she's not here. Are you picking up what I'm sharing? Like, I miss her when she's not here. She knows the things about me that nobody else could ever know. She knows more about me sometimes than I know about myself. She's like the Holy Spirit. Don't tell her I said that. <laughs> she doesn't need any more help. Sometimes she tells me things I don't want to hear. And so does the Holy Spirit. So does the Holy Spirit. Here's what I want to tell you guys. Don't ever ignore the Holy Spirit. Don't ever ignore him. Don't ever ignore his voice when he's speaking to you. Don't ever ignore the spirit of truth as he tells you something. We, I remember this one moment not long ago with one of our kids. I'll say one of our kids because I don't want to point one of them out. Then you can just think they're all doing this. But I remember this one moment with one of my girls and, and they had done something that they shouldn't have done. And I, I came back and they thought I was going to be really upset. I said, hey, I want to just talk about it. I said, was there a moment when you heard the small voice inside that said, hey, don't do that? Don't go that way. Well, I don't know. I kind of, I thought a little bit about that. And I was like, no, 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 don't get confused. She's like, I was, I'm confused. I don't remember. I'm like, you're not confused. You're not confused. I want you, did you hear that small voice? Yeah, I did. I said, don't ever ignore it. Don't ever ignore the voice of the spirit. Amen. Because it's the most precious thing when he speaks to you, whether you like what he's saying or not. Because him speaking to you is everything. Him talking to you is everything. And it comes through relationship, right? Just what I just described with my wife. 
is the relationship, the fellowship, the koinonia that Holy Spirit wants. This walking together, this communion together, this fellowship, this intimacy, this closeness, this and much more that Christy and I experience is what the Holy Spirit desires for the church. Every single one in this room, every single one of you, and it comes through fellowship. It comes through knowing, it comes through experiencing, and it comes through encountering the Spirit. He is not a doctrine to be learned. He is a person to be known. And we see this all through the book of Acts, that the church was in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. They had encounters with the presence of the Lord. And out of those encounters, they were led by the Spirit. They were empowered by the Spirit because guess what? They waited on the Spirit. See, being led by the Spirit in the New Testament church is normal. Partnership with the Holy Spirit was the norm. I, I love, there's, there's many places we could go to that give this example, but I just want to, I want to point out three or four right here. In Acts chapter 11, verse 12, it says this, Peter says, and, and the Spirit told me to go with them. The Spirit told me to go with them. Acts 13, 2, says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, they were seeking the Lord. It says, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. He speaks. Why? Because there was fellowship. Because there was intimacy. Because there was a waiting on the Spirit for leadership and guidance. What would happen if the church of Jesus Christ actually waited for the leadership and the voice of the Holy Spirit instead of going on and doing something that we just want to do? Acts fifteen twenty eight. They were sending out disciples. They said this, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Isn't that special? It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. There's a partnership here that's happening. It's koinonia. There's communion. It seemed good. We knew him. We had been in relationship with the Spirit, and it seemed good to him, and it seemed good to us. In Acts 16, 6, it says, Paul and Timothy were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. I'll say this again. Sometimes the helper, sometimes the Spirit will help you by saying no. His no is as good as his yes. <laughs> I am preaching better than you're amening tonight. <laughs> Can we just... Yeah, I'm telling you, I feel like right now, can we just praise the Lord for a minute? I just want us to lift our voices and just, can you lift your hands too? I just want to shift that right now. Can we just bless the Lord together? Come on, church, just lift your voices. Just, just bless Jesus right now. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We invite your presence in this place. We just welcome you, Holy Spirit. 
come on, out loud together, bless Jesus. We magnify Jesus in this room right now. We bless Jesus in this room right now. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We want fellowship. I don't want to just talk about this. We want the manifestation and the reality of this in our midst here tonight. Fellowship and communion. Holy Spirit, we want you to lead us. We want you to speak to us. We want you to touch us. We want you to empower us to do what we could never do. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. Yeah, amen. Amen. It's an invitation to fellowship with him. It's an invitation to encounter. And here's what I want to say about the spirit-filled church. He comes where he's wanted. He comes where he is welcome. He comes where he's invited. And he comes where he's given space to have his way. He comes to a people who recognize their need for him. Not self-reliant, but spirit-reliant. The church in Acts is a church of encounter. It's a place where the presence of the spirit touches and empowers his people in a way that transforms them, but it transforms the city from there. In Acts chapter 4, there's been pushback with the disciples. There's been threats, there's been persecution, and the church gathers together. We've prayed into this before, and they cry out for help, and they ask for boldness, and they ask for healing and signs and wonders to continue to break out. And I want us to just look at what happens here in verse 31. It says, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, And it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So what's happening here? They had already been filled on the day of Pentecost, but here they are filled again. And what happens is they're filled is that the place shook by the power of God and they were filled again with the Spirit. Why? Because they recognized their need for the Spirit's empowerment and enablement. And they asked, and guess what? He answered And he filled them and he anointed them with boldness to continue. He responds to hunger, church. He responds to hunger. In the last couple of months, I've been been recounting my personal experiences with the Holy Spirit in my life. Do you ever go back and remember the stories of how he's... He's led you, how he spoke to you, how you've encountered him. I've been doing that. We have a, a, a man in our church. His name is Jack Cole. Do any of you know Jack? Yeah. Jack's in his 90s. And uh, he's such a gift. He's like a f- father in the, in the faith here at Hope. And um, he, he told me several months ago, he said, remember Calvary Temple. And Jack will just, when you meet Jack, he'll just start prophesying to you. He'll just start giving you a word, and it's so beautiful. And he said, remember Calvary Temple? And I was like, oh, okay, I'll remember that. And I kind of moved on. And then uh, a couple weeks later or so, uh, he had told Paul, when Paul saw him, he said, tell Josh to remember Calvary Temple. So uh, according to prophecy, I'm remembering Calvary Temple. Uh, which is uh, Calvary Temple. You're like, what's Calvary Temple? Calvary Temple was uh, a church, uh, the first church that I was on staff at. And I've shared different stories along the way. 
from that. But um, I want to just share a few of my stories um, as I began to step into the things of, of the Spirit and how I encountered the Holy Is that okay? How I encountered the Holy Spirit and, and um, I was going to evangel and I was hired there while I was going to evangel. I was 19 years old. Isn't that crazy? Um, it was at that point a very traditional church. Um, traditional meaning like we had an organ. There were no drums. There was an upright bass player. There was a trumpet and a trombone on the stage. Okay. <laughs> we'll have auditions for the trumpet and trombones when <laughs> later. Uh, we had a choir. I shared about this the other day. Choir robes. About 100 people in the choir. And uh, I wore a tie to the office each day. That dates it, right? I mean, this was, this was a traditional place. And uh, we did a couple opening songs and then a hymn after the offering. And this was 1995. I mean, it was what they called a song service. And uh, my buddy Landon, he was our pastor's son. He found some VHS tapes of services of a church in Pensacola, Florida called Brownsville. And uh, yeah, <laughs> did you all watch those videos? Do you remember when we had VHS? That was amazing, you know. Um, and and we started watching those videos, and um, God started doing something in our hearts. And um, I remember my friend Landon, he was not doing well. And he went uh, from a place of doing drugs, alcohol, and really living a double life to radically following Jesus. Um, we were hungry for his presence. I mean, we were seeking the presence of the Lord. And we began to pray together. And uh, I remember we'd come to the church and we'd begin to pray and we'd begin to seek the Lord. We, we didn't have a band. There wasn't any music. There was nothing. Can you imagine seeking the Lord with no music and no band? I mean, it's like, how does that even happen? And um, a few of us in that place turned into like 50 of us or 60 of us in the sanctuary of Calvary Temple. And we'd go a couple nights a week and we were just hungry for Jesus. I mean, have you just been hungry for Jesus before? You're like, I don't even know what to do. I just, I'm hungry for him. I need him. And uh, we were hungry for the presence of the Lord. And Calvary Temple was at Grandin Walmart, not Grandin Walmart, Grandin Campbell, and it is now a Walmart, unfortunately. They had to tear the building down. Um, so Christy and I are going to have to renew our vows in the produce aisle. It's going to be really weird because um, we got married there. Um, but uh, we'll invite you all to come to the produce aisle when we do that. It'll be so good. But uh, we'd have, we'd have, it was just a different part of town. So we'd have all these people kind of walking in throughout the day, some rough situations. And I remember this one night, this, this really kind of odd guy, well, he's not odd, he's just flat out weird, uh, walks into the prayer meeting. And I honestly think he was demon possessed, but I wouldn't have known what to do with a demon possessed person at that time at all. But I did what I had seen imagined on TBN. And he came in and I just, I came up to, he started making these crazy noises. I just put my hand on him. I said, in Jesus name. I don't know what happened after that. <laughs> I don't think it was quite as, you know, um, exciting as I'd hoped it would have been. But um, I mean, it was just a crazy time, but here's what happened. God started moving in power. God started moving in our services. God started moving in choir rehearsals. 
choir rehearsals turned into Holy Spirit invasion moments. I mean, there was such an expectation. There was such an anticipation among us for the Lord. And a bunch of us drove to Pensacola, Florida, to where this revival was happening. We encountered the Lord. And I remember it was a really great time, but I remember um, it was like, okay, God, this is great, amazing. But I remember our whole team, we, we were about to get on the bus and drive all the way back to Springfield 10 hours. And we got out into the parking lot and there was all this gravel. I remember it. And the power of God hit our whole team that night and everybody just hit the floor. I mean, it was just amazing how God began to move and stir in us. I mean, wild stuff started happening that we've never seen happen before. And our community came alive because the Spirit of God breathed on us and called us. So good. We came back. And just what had happened in us and what God did upon us began to spread through the church. And here's the only thing I can describe it as normal was no more. Our normal became what we see in the book of Acts. The floors would be covered every time we'd gather in services to worship with people that were laid out all over the place because God had touched them. God had moved in them. I I saw lots of things I didn't understand. Have you ever seen some things in church you don't understand? You're like, yes, we go to hope. It's okay. Here's what I'll tell you. When God is moving, there are going to be some things you don't understand. There are going to be some things. There's, when the presence of God moves and the power of God moves, flex, flesh reacts to the power of God. Sometimes there's going to be weird stuff. And some of it, sometimes it'll be God. Sometimes it won't. Right? Flesh responds in unique ways to the presence and the power of God. But here's what I'll tell you. I am not afraid of a little wildfire. I'm way more concerned with no fire. We can pastor crazy stuff. We can deal with all that. And I assure you, we will. We get to pastor through it. But I I think about what they saw on the day of Pentecost, right? I mean, they saw fire on people. It was... It was wind. I mean, it was wild. And, and all this stuff is happening. And this large crowd gathers, right, it, there in Acts 2. And, and, and because of the sound of heaven, they were hearing in the upper room. They come together. And, and we shared this a couple weeks ago, but I want to share it again. In verse 12 of Acts, Acts there, it says this. It says, all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they're filled with new wine. I have to tell you, when God starts moving, it will cause you to be amazed and perplexed. And when God is pouring out his spirit, you can do one of three things. You can be amazed and perplexed. And you can watch from afar. And you can say, oh, that's for that group of people. You can resist it and you can be critical. You can say, oh man, that's for the crazy people. That's not for me. Or you can say, I want all that you have, God, and get in. And get in. I'm going to trust you to lead me into the truth. So it's amazing. This whole season, we would 
God started moving. God started using our worship team. I was, of course, the worship pastor. We'd get in our little church people mover, and the people mover would drive us to different places. I remember we'd go to Bolivar First Assembly of God, of God, <laughs> and other places for, for weeks and weeks at a time where God was moving. And guys, we were just hungry to be where God was. You say, well, God's everywhere. Yeah, he is. God's in us. He's with us. But there are places and moments in time where God is doing significant things. And I got to tell you, I want to be where that is. I want to be where that is. I believe that that's to be right here. I believe that that's to be right here in our church. As, as well as every church that's hungry and desires for him to come. I remember Jim and Lorna Batten. Many of you know Jim and Lorna. Their, their kids were up on the stage tonight. Tyler is one of our worship pastors. Tanner played drums tonight. Y'all know Tyler and Tanner? Yes, they're amazing worship leaders. And Jim and Lorna would bring Tyler, little Tyler and Tanner. They were about five years old back then. And we would get on that people mover at five o'clock on a weeknight. We would drive to wherever it is we were ministering and, and God would pour out a spirit. They would, we'd get back on the people mover at 1130 at night, drive back to Springfield. Then they go put their kids to bed. They get up in the morning, go to school. And we'd go back the next night and do the whole thing over again. I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine doing that with your family? I have a hard time imagining doing that with my kids in school. But you know what? There was such a hunger. There was like, God, we want to be in what you're doing. We don't want to miss what you're doing. We're hungry. We'll make sacrifices to be a part of what you're doing. And I believe that God is looking for a church and a place that says, hey, I want to move there. Will you be willing to jump in with me in what I'm doing? We started these Friday night renewal services where churches would come from all over the city and and encounter God. Missionaries, leaders, college students would come, encounter God. They'd be marked by God. They would go out. And I still hear stories 25 years later of how God marked people and changed people's lives. I remember that moment, and I'm going to share it again, where I was on the stage, and it was, the service was almost over, and the power of God touched me in a way he had never touched me. I began to shake under the power of God. You know that the Bible says the mountains tremble? I believe people tremble at the presence of the Lord, too. I believe there are moments. This was a moment for me. God shook me, and I was embarrassed, and I didn't want it to happen. I said, take me to my office, because I don't want to do this out here in front of people. And the Lord says, I'm shaking the pride off your life so you can walk in a new boldness. I believe there are things that happen sometimes in the spirit that break off things in the natural to us. And that was a moment. And I have experienced similar things that God encountered me in a way that I would rather him not have. But he did it and it thrust me out of where I was. And it equipped me and empowered me into that next place. This is what happened there at that, in that moment. He shook the fear of man out of me. We need the, the fear of man shaken out of us, church. We need to be most aware of what he cares about rather than what man thinks about. I had no idea what I was doing as a 20-year-old worship pastor, but I had encountered Jesus. He marked me. I was hungry. There There were times when God was touching people and I felt nothing. Have you ever been in that moment? God's moving and you're like, I feel nothing. I got nothing. But I'll tell you what, I was still hungry. And I kept coming back and I kept saying, God, I want you. This was my introduction to ministry. And because of it, I'll tell you, I live with a constant awareness and I live with a constant hunger of him, that there's more of him to be had. I'm not just talking about wild and crazy services. 
I'm, I'm talking about the gospel of the kingdom going forth in power. I'm talking about doing what Jesus did. Something, sometimes it looks overt. Sometimes it looks covert. Sometimes it looks loud. Sometimes it looks quiet. Sometimes it looks still. Sometimes it looks wild. But those years were forming in me to say, I will not be satisfied with norm. I want what the Bible says happened in the book of Acts. I want Pentecost. I want Joel 2. I want the spirit. I want to be a part of the spirit of God being poured out on our sons and daughters, prophesying, declaring. I want to be a part of God moving in our midst. Those years were foundational. One of the things that was so significant is that we just made space for the Lord. We gave space for him. And I want to tell you today, that's why we give space when we gather. One of the reasons we take time like we do in worship and ministry time and the ends of services, we're given space for the fellowship of the spirit to happen. We're given space for him to speak to us. We're given space for him to, to move and to touch us and to speak to us and through us. I'll tell you, the stories are countless of what God has done even in this room, how he has touched his people in this room as we gather in his presence. I, I was recently with our missionary to Italy. Do you all remember the Truins when we prayed for them? I don't know. It was a couple of months back, maybe a month or two. And, and they, um, missionaries um, that we prayed for here and, and released. And I just the day before he left on, on their trip to, to move to Italy, we had coffee. And um, he looked me in the eyes at that coffee towards the end of our time together. And he said, you have, you have to know this. He said, with tears in his eyes, he said, we came to hope in 2020. He said, we were broken. We were hurting. We felt like God has forgotten us. But he said, God met us there. He healed us. He restored us. And the spirit spoke to us and touched our lives significantly. And church, they just moved to an unreached people group in Italy and planted a church. Come on. Come on. Come on. I can't tell you how many stories I hear of, of people that living in lifestyles that came into this place. And as the spirit of the Lord was moving and we gave space for that, um, God touched them. His presence begins to do a work. And over time, there's repentance, there's turning, there's transformation. I can't tell you how many people that come in this place have been de- delivered of addictions. Have you been delivered of an addiction here? I, I know, I know there are people in this room. I, I just story after story. I just last week, a knee was, a knee was healed on Wednesday night. Um, people that were about to end their lives come into this place. The power and the presence of the Holy spirit touches them. They're set free and hope is released. It's a work of the spirit. In this room, as we gather, as we fellowship with the spirit, his presence begins to move among us. And I'll tell you this, when we praise the Lord, he inhabits the praises of his people. He comes church where he is wanted. And I don't know about you, but I want him. I'm going to ask Tyler to come. I just, I just know that, that this is, this is how this is set up that he comes where he is desired. He comes where a people actually want him more than other, th- other things.
I believe that we are a church that is called to lean in and posture our hearts and posture our awareness to him even when we don't feel like it. That even when you don't feel hungry, you'd say, God, would you touch my heart in such a way that I hunger and I thirst for you because the promise is I'll be filled. Because in a moment of encounter changes everything. In encounters, we're healed. Things out of alignment get aligned. And faith and expectation creates environments for God to come because it is a recognition of our need for him. Church, he comes where he's wanted. Can we stand together tonight?